0: Hello all, my name's Ian Loring, welcome to Cinerama, hope you're doing well. Coming up on this week's show, a big Easter family film, and the first film that's really, really, really pushing 3D in the UK, Monsters vs. Aliens, and the latest film by British National Institution Richard Curtis as I take a look at The Boat That Rocked. Also, uh, what I've been watching this week, uh, movie news and listener feedback, and also the next part in the Alfred Hitchcock Unseen Marathon, taking a look at his 1945 film Spellbound. No trailer talk this week, Uh, quite simply it wasn't anything that really grabbed my interest, so we'll leave that for this week. Um, But, uh, do-do-do-do yeah that's it so um feedback is more than welcome please email CineramaPodcast@yahoo.co.uk. uk. i got a voicemail line this week and i'm just going to try and come up with the number now but while i do that you can uh follow me on twitter at twitter.com forward slash ian loring you can um uh write reviews on itunes and votes on podcast alley uh mucho much appreciated and you can Uh, Read me at the rattle during the week at therattle.co.uk. Right, let's get this bloody voicemail number. Um, Okay, so if you're in the States, you can dial 206-339-3120. In the UK, uh, add a 001 onto the front of that to make it uh, 001-206-339-3120. costs about twenty P a minute from the UK, um, at least with Virgin, not too sure about B T, but it must be around that. And I don't know about the US, but I would absolutely love to hear from you and I've had a few this week, even though I will say James Price, um I actually uh played your one on the Chinstroker versus Punter show yesterday, uh just because it kinda tied in with them. Uh you're a very clever man, I'll say that much. Um, Okay, so let's get to it, as uh, Reese Witherspoon, Seth Rogen, Will Arnett, Hugh Laurie and uh, uh, Kiefer Sutherland battle aliens in Monsters vs. Aliens. Mr. President, Mr. President, we have a situation!
1: Once again, a UFO has landed in America! The only country UFOs ever seem to land in! Uh, humans of earth my quest has led me to your planet
2: give it to me now
1: you should in no way, way take any of this personally it's just, just business back. galaxar out.
2: somebody think of something and think of it fast mr president we need a hail mary pet. we need raw power we need monsters say hello to insectosaurus <laughs> Don't scare Insectosaurus! It's okay, buddy.
1: I'm not gonna let the human hurt you.
2: Here we have the missing link.
1: A 20,000-year-old fish man. (laughs) Papa's a little out of shape.
0: This handsome fellow is Dr. Cockroach, PhD. I'm not a quack. I'm a mad scientist. (laughs) Oh, dear.
1: We call this an indestructible gelatinous mass. Hi, I'm Bob. As you can see, he has no brain. Turns out you don't need one.
0: Okay, lead review of the week is Monsters vs. Aliens, uh, which is directed by Rob Letterman and Conrad Vernon, and uh, stars the voices of Reese Witherspoon, Seth Rogen, Hugh Laurie, Will Arnett, Kiefer Sutherland, Rain Wilson, and Stephen Colbert. Okay, uh, so Monsters vs. Aliens is the story of a secret government division filled with monsters who are um, employed to fight an alien force. The monsters are newly enlarged uh, ex-bride-to-be Gynormica, played by Reese Witherspoon, Uh, Bob, a big gelatinous mass with one eye and no brain, played by Seth Rogen, Uh, Doctor Cockroach PhD, voiced by Hugh Laurie, uh, a doctor who was transformed into a cockroach in a transportation uh, accident, and The Missing Link, a half-fish, half-human thing, uh, voiced by Will Arnett. Okay, so Monsters vs. Aliens is the latest film to come from DreamWorks, following from Madagascar 2 and Kung Fu Panda in 2008, and is notably the first of their films to be um, released in 3D. Uh, technology which apparently is going to save the film industry from piracy and will put more bums on seats in cinemas. Um, 3D uptake has been kind of slow but has really um, ramped off. Um, In the last two weeks I know about a dozen or so um, View Cinemas, the company for which I work for, uh, have been equipped with 3D capabilities including mine. Uh, there were uh, some teething problems, it was quite simply a ball ache, but we got there in the end. And um, as of uh, yesterday, we have been able to show 3D. Um, so, um, the fact that the film is being advertised so widely as uh, being a 3D experience does also lead the question... Um, is the 2D version worth seeing, or should you just go with the 3D? Uh, is the film good enough to um, see without the 3D? But first of all, I suppose I should talk about the 3D, and um, it really is um, pretty impressive. I've only seen using this real D technology. I've only um, I've only seen uh, one 3D film in the past, which was My Bloody Valentine, which was reviewed on the show uh, back in January and um this is a huge step up from that in terms of uh kind of audience experience in my opinion whereas uh um my bloody valentine had a few examples of um of 3d effect it didn't really give you a sense of depth of field it didn't really immerse you in it and while there are a lot of sequences in monsters vs. aliens where the 3d feels pointless uh, there 's an awful awful lot of dialogue scenes in this film and exposition um and they never really take advantage of the 3 d but um once the action gets going uh whenever there are any chasing towards or um like from behind the camera um it, it there 's some fantastic stuff um on show here and it it 's a lot of fun um even though one of the most effective uses of 3 d i would say is actually a homage to um an old 3d film uh the name of which i can't remember but there's a paddle ball being swung at you and it really does look like it comes at you um i'm remembering it now and it really was very impressive but um there's a lot of kind of examples of smaller things framed against bigger things and the smaller things running away um i'm thinking for example Kiefer sutherland's um character he's got this jetpack on and he's um He's talking to Reese Witherspoon's character at one point, and even though that's a dialogue scene, it is actually very impressive. He does look as if he's actually closer to us than she than she is almost. It's it's very odd, and like I say, the action scenes are very impressive with it. And um, I mean, I think this is the first film that that was really actually constructed with three D in mind, and now that. DreamWorks are going to do all their films in 3D. Looks like Disney are going to do pretty much all their films in um, um, 3D as well. It's going to be very interesting to see um, how um, this is portrayed in films because I think we could well really be onto something good with this because um, this this actually works pretty damn well. Um, so it's a shame to say that 3D aside. The film as a whole, I felt, was really not that worth um, anything. To be honest with you. Um, now there are some bright spots. Um, the monsters' character designs are fantastic. Um, Doctor Cockroach is a real throwback to um, what you could imagine they would have wanted to do in the fifties if they could. Um, the Missing Links, interesting. He's kind of he's got like a lot of AP characteristics while also having a lot of fishy characteristics and that actually works quite well and um Bob um uh, uh is just fantastic he's just this big blob and he kind of d- he dissolves food within him and he's just got this one eye and he can do loads of different things with the eye and it's it's a lot of fun and um in particular as well Seth Rogen is uh really cracking um in the role his um, his likability and warmth that, um, he shows on the big screen really does come out in this and he gets all of the film's best lines as well. To be honest, none of the other voice work is really that memorable. Hugh Laurie suits the um suits the role well, as does Kiefer Sutherland actually. Um but, you know, Paul Rudd may as well not be there as some um, Susan's fiance. Uh Reese Witherspoon, I hate that woman with every single fibre of my being and I I'm still not too uh, to this day sure why, much to the annoyance of uh, Donna, my girlfriend as well, but um Yeah, and uh, Will Arnett, I mean, he was fine. He did the kind of jock kind of thing just fine, but, you know. Um, And actually, I should say, in terms of character design, my particular, my favourite out of the whole bunch was actually Insectosaurus. Um, this like big furry bug which bellows like Godzilla, and he's got all these kind of hands, like, constantly doing things. I mean, he's great fun, but um, that actually leads me on to one of my other major criticisms of the film... Um, the the monsters aren't really used all that well at all. Um, Insectosaurus disappears for, for a, a great portion of the film quite a few times and it's very annoying. He does very little apart from get distracted by lights. Um, Doctor Cockroach is kind of just there along for the ride really. He never really does anything. Uh, Neither does The Missing Link, Um, he's supposed to be all kind of like strong and he keeps on saying about how he's going to kick some ass, but he usually just gets tired and like kind of falls asleep, it's very odd. Bob um, has a few choice moments, in particular a way of um, getting cars off the San Francisco bridge during a set piece made me laugh um, quite a lot, but um, yeah, in all, I just, it, it was all... Very very underwhelming, and the film as a whole is quite bland the the main thrust of the plot with the um this alien going up against the monsters is um feels very very low key uh not helped by the fact that the the major major set piece in this film um the aforementioned uh, uh uh scene on the uh san francisco um golden Gate bridge is uh roughly halfway through the film and the the climax i 'm actually struggling to remember it at the moment to be honest with you um yeah I mean it's just very very meh you know and I mean the whole thing's very bland I mean I like the fact that it's the first DreamWorks film in a long time that the moral message wasn't be true to yourself you know that that was getting quite old seriously think about every single DreamWorks film um after say well from Shrek and they're all be true to yourself I mean maybe B-movie but I think the fact that it was written by Jerry Seinfeld probably helped with that one. But apart from that, every single one has that moral. Whereas this one's kind of got that at the same time. But there's also a bit of empowerment for ladies in there. Which is, which is good for um, young girls to see. I mean, it, it, um, it's the uh, ginormica, Susan. She actually gets quite a strong storyline in that sense. But um, the rest of it is just the. Yeah, what, whatever, really. I mean, it's it's a real shame. Um, DreamWorks seem to have thought that with the 3D aspect, they can kind of be a bit lazier with other aspects of the film. And to be fair, the box office results in the US and the prospective box office results in the UK look like that's going to um, kind of try... Uh, that's going to bear itself out. But... Um, in all the film is incredibly uninspired very bland if you can only see it in 2d don't bother guys don't waste your money um you know see it on dvd or blu-ray if you have to but it's it's really really not worth it um uh seth rogan aside a couple of the uh, uh the san francisco set pieces is, is good uh i must say um and you know some good character designs um uh taken out of it it's one of the most bland cg animations i've seen in a fair while and um really was a great disappointment if you can see it in 3d um if you're gonna see it anyway it's definitely worth paying the extra couple of quid or a few dollars or whatever it is to see it in 3d because it, it the experience is a lot of fun but um you know i think the 3d films that we've got coming out later this year i mean i'm thinking up and avatar i mean fuck even g-force for me personally um you know, I, I, I look forward to and um, I think could do some better things that Monsters vs. Aliens does in the end of the day. Okay, news time. Got a few things for you this week. Um, so I'm going to lead with uh, probably the most obvious thing of the week. Um, Wolverine, uh, a work print version, has been leaked on the net a good four weeks before the film comes out. Um, the FBI have been called in by Fox to investigate the leak. Uh, it apparently contains none of the reshoot material and has unfinished visual effects and um, is apparently a good 20 minutes shorter than uh, than the final finished version. Uh, now, I'm not going to uh, download this, um, not because the principles of the matter, I mean in my opinion it couldn't have happened to a nicer studio than Fox but you know my feelings on them I'm sure um but in the end of the day if the film's as much of a clusterfuck as i kinda get the feeling it's going to be i don't want to see it twice just for the reshoots and whatnot i'd rather just watch it on the big screen get it out of the way if it's good if it's uh, then great if not never mind um but in the end of the day um this is I mean, there's an interesting article by Devin Ferracci on chud.com about this and uh, about about how uh, many uh, people in the industry are amazed that this hasn't happened sooner. Um, But, I mean, this is pretty huge. Um, The real question is going to be how much box office uh, uh, gets affected. By this and i think it might be a fair bit even though it's amazing really that despite the fact that so many people have downloaded it it's it's actually quite hard to get reviews of it on the net i'm assuming that's because like fox would clamp down pretty hardcore but some things being said are that it's you know it's bad and that um what the the treatment of ryan reynolds character deadpool in particular is a real mess uh i just want to know how cyclops is in there to be honest with you how the fuck does that work but um yeah, we're going to see in a few weeks how this affects the uh, box office for Wolverine. I think, to be honest, I think a lot of people will still ghosts here on the big screen just because, you know, it's the first big blockbuster of the summer, you know, um, and I think people kind of need a release. There's been, I mean, Watchmen was the last big, 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 big film and, um, you know, there's not really anything massive coming out in the in the cinema until Wolverine um but it, yeah it's it's going to be an interesting one i think no matter what the box office is people are going to say well it would have been higher if you know it wasn't leaked which i suppose it, it would be but yeah, it's interesting nonetheless okay next um sony have um confirmed development of so- spider-man 4 and a new ghostbusters film which is pretty big news but surprising stuff they've also um announced that they're developing a third men in black film um Now, yeah, uh, Russ Fisher on com actually has an interesting um, idea about this, that um, Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, original director Barry Sonnenfeld probably won't be back for this just because they'll be wanting to take a percentage of the gross, which uh, uh, would probably be quite sizable, especially in Will Smith's case. Um, So Russ seems to think that it's going to be done with newer, cheaper talent, I quote, which uh, makes sense. Men in Black reboot, um, could, well, happen, to be honest, um, I mean, the second film was awful, but the, the first one certainly had its moments, and, um, kind of look forward to this, but we'll we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. And, uh, finally for this week, um, Freddy Krueger has been cast, um, for the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, um, due to start shooting this month, and, um, it's Jackie O'Haley, um, Rorschach from Watchmen, uh, the paedophile from Little Children, um, and dude's got the look for it. You got to say that, and he's a bloody good actor. So um, I think this could be very, very promising. It's also being um, said that the the film's not going to really have any um, Kruger one-liners, which uh, is fantastic. I think, and um, is is going to be a serious, hardcore horror film. And uh, I. I I'm really looking forward to this. I like Samuel Bayer's music videos. Um, Dude's got style coming out of his arse, and I think this could be a very, very interesting time. So that is it for your movie news for this week, and I'm sure there will be more next week. In
1: 1966, Britain was terrorised by a boat that rocked. Radio Rock,
2: the greatest station in the world.
1: Pirate Radio. They are a sewer of low morals. Welcome to the boat of love. (laughs) (laughs) From Richard Curtis, creator of Notting Hill. Four weddings and a funeral. I'm getting married! And love actually. Welcome to our world. (laughs) we're going to shut them down. No! Philip Seymour Hoffman.
0: They can't close us down. We're pirates.
1: Bill Nye. <laughs> Spectacular mistake. Risa Flans.
0: Are you breaking the road?
1: Nick Frost. Big. You're very beautiful. And Kenneth Branagh. Oh, that's a pity. <laughs> sure that's throwing him in the best way to get him to learn how to swim absolutely <laughs> welcome aboard the boat
0: that rocked you know, Although on second thoughts it might just be for kids <laughs> I think if you throw in an adult it doesn't work that way okay so second review of the week opening in the UK this week uh I believe it's not opening in the US for several months actually but never mind um doesn't happen a lot, I suppose, uh, The Boat That Rocked, uh, written and directed by Richard Curtis, this stars Philip Seymour Hoffman, Reese Fans, Bill Nighy, Nick Frost, Kenneth Branagh, Reese Darby, uh, Tom Sturridge, Emma Thompson, Gemma Arterton, uh, Tallulah Riley, uh, f- fucking loads of people. Um, okay, so this is about Radio Rock, a fictional pirate radio station in the UK in the 1960s. For those of you listening who don't quite know this phenomena, um, basically, uh, popular music was not really ever played on British radio, officially sanctioned British radio, until, uh, Radio 1 came along, um, a BBC station before that um basically had uh, people out offshore um transmitting pirate radio which uh, was listened to an awful awful lot of people so on this uh, fictional um boat uh boat uh, you have the count played by philip seymour hoffman uh dave played by nick frost quentin played by bill nighy uh new arrival gavin played by Rhys ifans and uh carl um bill nighy's character's godson who um arrives on the boat and um is soon taught the ways of the people on it uh but there is trouble ahead as a government minister played by kenneth Branner tries to shut them down okay so um the boat that rocked uh written and directed by richard curtis a name some of you may not know but he he's a bit of a national institution uh creativity wise Uh, The guy co-created, amongst other things, uh, Blackadder, Mr Bean, um, The Vicar of Dibley, um, The Thin Blue Line, loads of British sitcoms, and um, he's also written a few uh, very, very big films, as you would have heard in the trailer for Weddings and the Funeral, Notting Hill, and he made his directorial debut with Love Actually, a uh, fun-if-bitty film, which... um, did still warm the cockles of my heart it must be said i suppose i'm not as cynical as many so um this film uh i was looking forward to it um mainly due to the cast i'll admit uh you know put philip seymour hoffman nick frost bill nighy reese fans etc into your cast and uh you're going to get something i want to see and um in fairness the cast is by far the best thing about the film they've all got genuine feeling chemistry and um unfortunately if there's a weak link it's tom sturridge as the kind of the viewer's eyes uh carl who um is rather bland doesn't really do anything with the plot too much and uh it it is rather monotonous as well um it's, it's quite a poor performance, in, in truth, but um, it, pretty much everybody else is fantastic, even though this is a very blokey film, and that really surprised me, given Richard Curtis's form, but um, women are rather marginalised in the film, and uh, at times uncomfortably so, as all they seem to be there for is uh, essentially to have sex with the DJs and with Carl, and that's about it. Um, but the guys are fantastic. Philip Seymour Hoffman is uh, a wonderful presence in this. Um, You know, very sincere, very charming, and um, I really... I mean, I enjoy Philip Seymour Hoffman anyway, but it was great to see him, like, um, let his hair down a bit, and um, he was great. Um, Nick Frost manages to convince as a sex god, which is quite an achievement in itself, Um, but he's, you know he's he's very funny um there's not too much to his character really but um you know he's it, it, just a laugh Mo- i mean like the, the the cast just are a laugh really and um if you can get into the swing of it I, you, you'll have a good time um uh you know bill he's fun it's not one of his serious roles uh Reese fans kind of plays Reese fans um but it'll be good to see him in more things because he's kind of dropped off the radar a little bit of late but um yeah, I mean, generally, the, you know, the cast are very, very solid, and you do enjoy watching them. But um, this film is very, very far from perfect at the same time. Um, it, was mo- it was pushed forward a month from uh, May to April, and I'm wondering if the film was pushed forward even more than that, as it feels incredibly rushed. Um, there is some outstandingly sloppy editing and uh, when a film has to use montage sequences maybe eight or nine times of basically the same thing people having fun cut to people listening to the radio station in different kind of circumstances but all gathered around the radio that's and there, there's so many of these montages, and I actually turned to Donna at one point and and, and, and just said, like, if there's another montage, I'm going to scream, essentially, and, um, you know, lo and behold, there's another, like, four or five. Um, And the thing is, the film is pretty long, I mean, especially for a comedy, it's about two hours, ten minutes, and, you know, the generally accepted rule is comedy should not be any longer than, say, 90 minutes, 100 minutes, now... The Judd Apatow crew um, defy this, even though some do say the films are too long. Uh, uh, I don't myself. Um, uh, But it must be said, this film is far too long. Now, it wouldn't be so bad if there was a strong story um, or even character arc to, um, to tie it to, but there's not. I'm not actually too sure what the story of the film was. There's an awful, awful lot of different people who get focus and then you don't see really see them again for another half an hour um and there's quite a few plots which i think could have been cut um chris o'dowd um irish comedian who's um in the it crowd in the uk um is is fun in his role but he's got a plot involving uh, a marriage and subsequent quick divorce which um just kind of crowbars in there for 20 minutes and then buggers off again with barely a mention about it for the rest of the film um i suppose the 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 only clear narrative we really get is carl um quentin's godson uh basically trying to get laid and it's basically the quickest kind of love at first sight thing you've ever seen and then the the lady sorry lust at first sight yeah sorry donna does quite rightly say lust at first sight um you know, and then something happens with the girl and then she fucks off for an hour and a half and then she comes back and then she has sex with him and then she fucks off again and then she turns up at the end. Like I said, this film does have an odd line of almost misogyny about it and it's incredible that that's come from Richard Curtis as he's in the past given us some very, very strong female characters. I'm thinking in particular the Vicar of Dibley, um, played by Dawn French in the long-running BBC series and, um, I mean it's just if you get into it you will have fun I can pretty much guarantee that but if you don't if you don't warm to it in the first half an hour or so it's going to be a very long next hour and 45 minutes for you and the film's been getting some pretty bad reviews and I can absolutely I you know I can see why and it really fucking annoys me because I'm going to say exactly the same as what Mark Germode said and I do that a lot for which I apologize but I know there are some serious serious problems with the film I mean there really really are but at the the same time I had a lot of fun with it and I, I do actually quite look forward to watching it again I kind of like films that are episodic in nature I don't really know why and this one's certainly one of them and I mean it's just really set pieces which don't really lead to anything in the narrative as a whole um but what can i say i i enjoyed the boat that rocked um you know it's a film which for once is not from richard curtis is not really trying to say anything i suppose i always get the sense with him that there's a lot of earnestness there and he's certainly just wanting to have fun with this one you know just make a light-hearted big broad comedy and he's done so but at the same time in terms of story and character I think he's kind of somewhat missed the mark. Um, I mean, the strongest character by far, in my opinion, is the Count, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, you know, he, he sticks to his guns throughout. He's got uh, a lot of conviction. and um, But he's very funny at the same time. Uh, uh, but there, there are moments of dead space. Um, I laughed a lot, but Donna re- um, d- didn't really connect to the film a- as a whole at all. Which... Um, kind of surprised me until i started thinking about the the fact that you know it is a lot of blokes together and that's really about it so um in all it's i i I found it perfectly entertaining i do actually quite like um look forward to seeing it again and um yeah i mean i i did like it but i like it despite myself because there are i mean it's it's one of the laziest put-together films I've seen in quite some time. And um, it's it, it still kind of staggers me that the film was written by Richard Curtis, who, by the way, I think maybe should stick to just writing. Um, but in all, it's a fun time, an undemanding time. And, um, you know, I mean, it, 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 but it's just that, really, which is a shame. Because with the potential for the characters in the film, it could have been a lot better okay so it's time for what else i watched this week and um what else did i watch that's rather embarrassing um okay so yesterday i did a bit of a creature feature double f- uh feature thing uh, as i checked out um a low budget uh, american horror by the name of splinter which comes out on dvd and blu-ray in america in a couple of weeks and already is out over here um So, yeah, interesting little film, this. I'm just going to pull up the director. Uh, But it's very, very low budget, but it's really quite effective. Um, If you just deal with me here. Sorry, folks, I'm a little bit hungover and my organisational skills are are taking a little bit of a knock. Uh, Okay, so uh, directed by Toby Wilkins and starring Shea Wiggum. Uh, Paolo Costanzo, Jill Wagner and Rachel Kerbs. Shea Wigan, what have I seen him in? Oh, he's in Fast and Furious, look at that. Well, he's been in quite a lot of stuff. Uh, So, yeah, basically, this story is about uh, two uh, two couples, basically, uh, one nice, the other not so nice. Uh, The not so nice one takes the nice couple hostage, uh, but things soon go wrong when uh one of them thinks they've run their dog over and uh see in fact it's a creature with these splinters coming out of them and uh it's soon revealed that uh basically the splinters are a sort of parasitic mold thing which uh takes over your body and uh really really fucks you up basically uh it kind of kills you and then uses your body to try and get other uh, bodies um it's uh it's very interesting i mean like the low budget nature is pretty obvious um there's an awful awful lot of kind of shaky cam kind of stuff so things aren't so clear so they can kind of hide maybe some of the 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 not as great prosthetics and um actually there's one very funny bit where uh um a character has an appendage taken off and then in some following shots it's very obvious that they framed it so that the, kind of that area is not shown on screen because obviously they couldn't really do uh they couldn't actually cut that appendage off let's just say so um they just kind of try and get out of it with the framing it's 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 fairly obvious and it's quite funny but the film does have um a lot of good moments um some of the prosthetics are fantastic um it's very very grisly um it, you know i mean it it's it's pretty hardcore in places i mean it earns its um its eighteen certificate in the u k um but there are only a few kind of set pieces where it all really kicks off other than that is quite the little character drama um as these people kind of learn to work with each other to try and get out of this situation um it's it's a so- yeah i mean it's a solid film um i'm glad i watched it it's very short as well i mean it's very much wham bam thank you ma'am um in that regard and uh it's just yeah it, it, it was it was a it was a good time to be honest um if you like your body horror this is a good one to go with um so as well as splinter i also watched the thing on blu-ray and now i know you guys know that i'm a big proponent for blu-ray and i think i've said on the show before that i'm more impressed by the treatment of older films and the thing's a perfect example i mean it's not the best blu-ray transfer but i compared this with my dvd and uh i mean for one they've done some great work on the print because god there's a lot of and and crap on the DVD version but the uh the Blu-ray there's none of that it's a really really nice looking print and um it I mean even the upscale DVD doesn't compare to uh the Blu-ray version I mean it's just it's very very vivid um the daytime scenes in particular are very impressive and i mean there's there's so much detail and that really helps with uh, rob botin's um uh, incredible creature designs um and stan winston's um and yeah i mean the film holds up i mean i don't need to talk to you about about the thing too much do i but i absolutely love this film it, I, I find it very very rewatchable and um i'm really really glad that i uh, i upgraded from the dvd to the blu-ray um for those of you who are interested, at the moment, uh, Play.com are doing a great 2 for £22 pound deal on, on Blu-rays, and I bought um, the Casino Royale Deluxe Edition and The Thing for 22 quid. so I was very, very happy with that. Um, it's a great offer, so yeah, I mean, if you're in the UK, you should you should check that out. Okay, uh, what else did I watch? Well, on uh, Friday night, Donna and I watched uh, The Children on uh, Blu-ray. Um... The children is uh i actually reviewed it on the show back in december i believe the uh the show's still up on the feed uh low budget brit horror directed by tom shankland who directed the uh, very impressive was um yeah i really really like the children um the film uh <laughs> it's uh it's not exactly original but uh it's got some good decent shocks um it deals with kind of middle-class up-your-own-arseness not really noticing what else is going on around the world uh, very well uh, it's got a good line in um, in, in mocking pretension which I, uh, I, do, I do personally quite enjoy and you know kids get killed in various mean ways which uh, I s- still find funny to be honest uh, the one in the greenhouse in particular is uh, pretty hardcore um, the Blu-ray, uh, to be honest, transfer's not the best, um, it's, it's actually quite disappointing, it's very soft, very soft, um, and it hurts the detail in, um, in, on, in the picture as well, um, you know, I mean, it, it it's obviously high def, it still looks better than the DVD would, but it doesn't quite pop out at you that, um, a, a modern film really should, even though I do understand that it's low budget, you know, um, but you know i mean like as i said i'm a massive proponent of blu-ray i get everything on blu-ray i don't even think about buying dvds now uh uh, but i'll be honest if you're not that bothered um i i I, i'd go for the dvd um instead of paying the premium for the film uh just because you know it's the disc is not actually that impressive there's no blu-ray exclusive extras there's a fair bit of making of material but i would have loved another commentary because uh tom shanklin's commentary on waz along with um alan jones uh of um starburst magazine i believe um is uh fantastic and i would have loved to have um seen that for this as well um god what else did i watch bloody hell I've i've watched a fair bit this week oh yeah um I also uh, watched Gomorrah, Italian City of God, basically, um, which won, uh, I think, the Grand Jury Prize at Cannes last year, and um, I'll be honest, it was good, it was good, but it was a bit long, um, and there was nothing in there that really blew my socks off. Um, I'm, I'm glad I watched it, but it's not something I'd watch again uh gamora is basically um it's, i think it's like five intertwining stories um all revolving around um a, a mafia group in, uh, in naples i believe um and it's basically how different people in different elements of society all mix together thanks to the mafia and uh some of them get fucked up some of them get away with stuff and uh it's yeah, it's pretty interesting, and the Blu-ray looks uh, looks pretty nice as well, actually. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that really stands out about it. It's just a solid film, which is maybe a tad too long, at uh, just over two hours. Um, and I also watched uh, Elite Squad, or Troper Day Elite, uh, which won the Golden Bear at the Berlin Film Festival. Thank you very much. Toast. I would love toast. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um... Uh yeah, Day Elites, uh won the Golden Bear at Berlin and uh a lot of people did not like that. And I can see why. Uh <laughs> it's pretty much a story about how fascism is the only way to go. It's about uh an elite squad of uh police officers um who are uncorruptible and uh but will do pretty much anything to get what they need to get done. Uh, it focuses on two new potential recruits, uh, Mateus and Nito, and um, basically is about Mateus's, uh turn from a liberal, nice student who wants to be a lawyer into a uh, fascistic, uh, very disturbing young man who, uh, who, in the end of the day, uh, becomes one of the elite squad, but pretty much loses his soul in the process um the the idea of what exactly the 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 director was trying to um do with the film uh what what he was trying to say is is really quite troubling as the elite squad are kind of portrayed as heroes and there's a voiceover from uh uh, character Nascimento, um who is leaving the elite squad and has to find his replacement um out of these two guys basically and um how uh, he's got a voiceover where he he justifies everything but at the same time you see him kind of beating his wife and threatening to shove sticks up people's asses, and uh yeah it's just it's it's really quite depressing but at the same time um you 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 scarily get quite into it uh it's very very well made um you know some really nice shots, a very realistic gritty feel and uh which is helped by an absolutely fucking superb in places blu ray transfer which uh the film is incredibly vivid um in it in its daytime scenes in particular i mean it's a gorgeous looking film. But there's some very disturbing stuff in there. I mean, I can see I can definitely see why people had problems with it. But at the same time, I can see why people liked it as well. Um so yeah, that's the other stuff I've watched this week. Uh I believe that's it. Oh, I did watch um here I am going on about it. Bloody hell. Um I did watch the Third in the Futurama um, series of films Bender's game and uh first half i thought was pretty great actually it was some of the best of these future armor movies second half which essentially replays the first half but in a different setting in, uh, in a in dungeons and dragons type world was some of the worst of future armor i think i've ever seen uh the the thing as a whole is an incredibly mixed bag but it kind of seemed it feels like the team were kind of coasting knowing that people were going to watch it and hardcore fans were going to like it without really trying to do anything else and um it's a shame but uh uh there's nothing funnier than professor farnsworth uh and a monkey um being kind of brain tied together and uh professor farnsworth's voice coming out of the monkey and vice versa i mean like things with monkeys just get me anyway but that was very funny uh but yeah in all i really it really really did go downhill after the first half and i'm just hoping that into the wild green yonder. Uh, saves a bit of face for these films, as to be honest, I don't, I don't think personally they've been that much of a success. So that is it actually for uh, what else I watched this week, and uh, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm pretty damn sure there'll be more next week.
2: Hello, Ian Waring, this is uh, Vaughn from uh, Motion Picture Master. Uh, I noticed that you have a voicemail line now, so I decided to give you a call. I'm on glorious vacation in Florida. Hopefully you'll enjoy it in October when you go. Uh, what do I have to talk about? Well, I've been listening to your show since, God, I don't know, since maybe uh, Joe Barlow mentioned your show on his show maybe over a year and a half ago, maybe more than that. I've know been listening to your show before the John Waters Marathon, so that's a long while. Um, and I've really been liking the marathons. Um, too bad I haven't been able to listen to your show in the last week's. Because I've been in vacation and don't have a computer, so I haven't been able to download podcasts, so I will try to get to your shows as soon as possible. But um, I know from Twitter you were watching Saddle uh, or 128 This Time, and I reviewed it on another show with a bunch of people. i the person I know, and I really like that movie, and I have to give you props for reviewing that film cold, or at least watching the film cold, without really knowing all that much about it. And definitely getting a little sick from it. The first time I saw it, it did make me a little sick, but not to the point where I puke. But it's to me, it's a great film. It's a great piece of, uh, I guess, art. Would you say um, to celluloid? Uh, I really have nothing else. I can't believe you did you did reviewed Marlene Me here in the states when that film came out. People are so annoyed with the ending, that they spray-painted it on the billboards and bus stop posters. They spray-painted at the end of the movie on them in protest. I don't know if you knew that or not. Well, I think that's all I have. I'll definitely give you another voicemail when I listen to your latest shows, because I'll probably have two in, in my queue when I get home. And, um, no, I can't say it. I have anything else
0: I'll probably call you. All right, sir. Good day. So it is feedback time and uh my Twittering that I have a voicemail number uh came in handy this week as uh that was a voicemail from Vaughn over at the uh, Motion Picture Massacre Podcast. Uh great podcast where uh Vaughan talks about a couple of films a week. Um and uh I was pretty in depth as well, it's good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I uh, hope you had a good time in Florida, Vaughan. I noticed you're, uh, you're leaving today, or yesterday, so, uh, yeah, hope you had a good time, and congrats on the engagement, also. Um, that was all just via Twitter, slightly self-indulgent, my apologies. So, yes, um, yeah, uh, well, I think I've, I'm going to be talking more about Salo in the feedback section, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, I couldn't get into it myself, but, you know, hey. Um marley and me. It was a slow week, so um, that that week. So uh, I had to review something. So uh, there you go. It's not usually a kind of film I review on the show, but you know, hey, it was popular. So, um, and yeah, uh, message to Joe Barlow. Um, please, can we have another Cinema Slave at some point? That would be nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I still owe Joe uh, an awful, awful lot for uh, giving the uh, show su- such a, a such a good recommendation it, um that added considerably i'm pretty sure most of my listeners uh are listening thanks to joe barlow at cinema slave so uh would absolutely love to um see another um another show come up and uh also joe i'm just putting it out there um if you want to join us for the crossover commentary it would be an honor and uh it would be a lot of fun but, um and Vaughan actually uh saying that, um absolutely feel free, dude. I'm sure you'll you'll have a fair bit to say on the film we'd be talking about, and uh yeah, so that that was cool um, okay, so on to the next voicemail,
1: hi, Ian, it's Noel from the film ramp podcast here. I just wanted to drop in and say, hey, and offer up a few comments uh, firstly, the three Stooges, I too have been pretty confused about this, but I do keep coming back to the same thought that it it, it probably has to be like a biopic. Uh, maybe about how they were all secretly womanising drunks who hated life or something like that. I don't think with that cast it's actually going to be like a, a dog soup remake or something like that. Although, to be honest, that's probably what I'd be more, more curious to see than some sort of uh, you know soul-searching, serious uh, version of uh, what life was like behind... The Smiles or something like that. Um, the other thing I wanted to have a word about was um, Where the Wild Things Are, the trailer for that. And I know a lot of people have said their piece about it, but I do have to say there is just something about this film that has always seemed to me like it's going to be a great idea. Uh, I am very familiar with the children's book, and it seems to me that although it doesn't at first seem like there's enough for a two-hour movie there it's potentially sort of dark sensibilities and, and the connection it has now with a smart director, I really think it can't fail. Um, I mean, as we all know, there's there's been some production issues, so anything could happen, but, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. The one thing that has struck me, though, is the costumes. Um, from looking at the trailer, they do seem quite tactile, but at the same time, almost cheap-looking I mean, they're totally on the money, and I'm glad that's what they've done, but there's something I can't quite put my finger on that just seems really simple but effective about them, and, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see them in full rather than just the uh, little condensed bits that we see in the trailer. Um, The trailer also reminded me of an old 70s TV show called The Banana Splits. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was like a really wacky, zany American thing with people in giant monster suits running around and... Slipping on custard pies and stuff seemed like everything uh, that happened in it was made by people who were cracked out of their mind at the time, in hindsight. So, yeah, the uh, uh, yeah, where the wild things are pretty much seems like a kind of Sunday morning come down from a banana split smack pie. And you know what, that makes me anticipate it just a little bit more. So, uh, anyway, having moved house this week and been without the internet for a couple of weeks. I'm going out of my mind and I've watched about a million films that I want to talk about on my next cast and one of them is one that I know that you were watching yourself recently which is Monsters vs. Aliens. Uh, I know you said you weren't sure if you'd be testing the 3D or 2D version and I just wanted to mention that I dropped in really lucky with the press screening that I got to this week as it was the IMAX 3D version and I really, really, really think it worked well. Uh, I've got to say that on the whole I'm not much down with three D it hasn't really won me over yet. Uh but the whole immersive thing that you've talked about before I felt i f- felt this film had in spades in that uh that IMAX three D. There were one or two ooh, check out our three D technology moments, but in general I thought it looked and felt great. So uh yeah it was uh, I mean you've probably just reviewed this in three D and now I'm talking to your listeners about something you've already covered, but hey Uh, at least I'm topical Um, so yeah one final thing and I'm sure you'll probably cringe when I say it but lesbian vampire killers uh, now look Ian I think it was my last bit of feedback where this subject came up prior to the film's release but you know I did kind of say that this movie was going to stink like a rat snatch and I don't want to say I told yeah I do fuck it I told you so (laughs) there you go Um, so anyway have a great break and enjoy the party I'll assume that my invitation got lost in the post and uh, yeah stay classy, cheers
0: Noel if you want to come to Bristol for what is going to be a very very small party by the looks of it you're more than welcome Uh, also uh, if you're about next Saturday uh, crossover commentary uh, even though that offers out to anybody um, but I believe I talk a bit more about that at the end of the show kind of time warping a bit again okay um, so yeah um, well I did talk about the 3D version of Monsters vs. Aliens at the start of the show um, I know uh, and when Noel actually sent the feedback he, um, in the email he actually said he read my review at the rattle so uh sounded like he enjoyed it more than me and yeah it sounded like he enjoyed it more than me what can I say uh, I'm looking forward to Noel's next cast where hopefully he's, he's going to talk about this a bit more because uh, I need to be convinced why people think it was oh like better than i thought it was to be honest because uh i know it's total film game four stars out of five and uh i don't really get it to be honest it was a crushing disappointment for me uh yep you you're quite right you did tell me so about lesbian vampire killers but that title i thought was promising and before um uh matthew horn and james corden's um show kicked off i did quite like them but that in combination with this uh they're going downhill fast in my estimation. But you know, we shall see what the next series of Gavin and Stacey um does for us. Um uh, so I think that's probably about it. Um but yeah, um Noel's cast, I'll just give it a shout out again. Um Film Rant, uh very good uh show. Kinda wish you'd do it more often, uh but you know, hey, I know I know you have I know you're you're a busy man, Noel, um, but yeah, uh, a cracking little podcast, um, I say little, that's so fucking patronising, I don't mean it, I don't mean that, um, but a cracking podcast, and uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, okay, so that was it for the voicemails, uh, like I said at the start of the show, I had one from James Price, but I actually talked about that with the guys from Chinstroker versus Punter on their King of New York show, because it was kind of tied into their show, let's just say. So, um, on to the written stuff. And first of all, we're going to go to uh, David Munn, who uh, talks a bit about Salo. Says, Hi Ian, I once read an interview that Pasolini did with Rolling Stone shortly before he was murdered. He talked a lot about what he hoped people would get out of Salo. On the one hand, he said he intended the shit-eating scene to symbolise the way that modern corporations sometimes dispose of the waste products from their industrial processes, by using them as food additives, thus forcing us to eat our own waste. And on the other, he admitted that the sexual scenes in Salo corresponded to his own personal sexual tastes, which means me believing that he was deluded about what people would take from his film and self-serving in and dressing up his sexual fantasies in the trappings of socially conscious cinema. Cheers, David. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I pretty much agree with that. Um, in the end of the day, uh, I don't really believe Pasolini was trying to say anything with Starlo. I Yeah, I just think he was coming up with his own... Um, like a way of presenting something as profound when in fact he just wanted to see people do this stuff um it it's a horrible little film to be honest with you um uh I, you know, but very very well made what can i say but um uh yeah and uh actually um tying in with that jason farrell writes uh with the subject line this email does not condone the eating of shit good stuff uh, how's it going in? I'll admit that uh, while I was listening to your latest podcast, I was doing other things, and I was only using about 86% of my brain. Then you mentioned Sarlo. One thing you've got to understand about me is that I'm a huge wimp. Not really about gore, although I don't have the strongest stomach either. Well, to be fair, I don't have the strongest stomach, because I threw up during Sarlo and I wasn't even feeling ill. So, But I'm just not into sadistic stuff, torture porn and the like. I cry at the sound of a whimpering kitten, but I do find the existence of the more extreme stuff kind of... Fascinating, I guess. So I've read some things about Salo and even started watching a bit on YouTube before I chickened out. I'd be very curious, maybe this could be a future marathon, about your take on some of the more controversial films out there. Stuff like Cannibal Holocaust, The Men Behind the Sun, some uh, some of Takashi Miike's oeuvre, or the Guinea Pig movies, if you've seen them, of course. The worst-sounding thing I've ever heard of is Mordem, created by an underground horror studio called August Underground, I know you love horror and gore. I love a lot of horror also. The original Texas Chainsaw is a brilliant film. Evil Dead 2 is another of my favourites. But what do you think about these uh, cinema verite approaches to horror and do you enjoy them? Uh, that was a big paragraph. I hope your eyes didn't start to bleed reading that tiny type. I just watched a couple of the Futurama movies myself. Exactly as fun as the series, which for me at least means they're pretty damn fun. I have one left to see, that the one that came out just a month or two ago, and I'm almost of a mind to wait a bit and savour it. I had no idea until recently that there was even such a thing as Futurama movies, that was a happy surprise. Maybe there are Firefly movies too that I just don't, don't know about, sigh, a guy can dream, can't he? I was absolutely sure that I'd have no interest uh, whatsoever in seeing the knowing. Man, that is an awful title, it's neck and neck with the happening. Is this a new trend in movie titles? I hate Nicolas Cage with a passion, have you seen his Japanese commercials for Pachinko though? Best stuff he's done in ages and the way you, your review started i was nodding my head thinking yes crap just as i expected then suddenly you threw a cur- curveball at me you liked it hmm here I, I i thought i was well on my way to another entertaining lesbian vampire hookers or whatever kind of rant and you now you've done uh, flipped everything on its head i still don't think i'll pay for a ticket but it's probably a netflix rental now it's your fault if it makes me cry like wimpering kitten jason fowl thank you jason okay um so i'm actually going to pull up the email i um sent to jason Yeah, so I mean, Sarlo. I mean, it wasn't really gory until the last uh, last few minutes. Um, it's just the atmosphere. I mean, like I, like I just said earlier on with that last um, email from David. Um, uh, it's very very well made, but it's just horrible. And I mean, it's like people eating roasted shit with what looks like bloody blood coming out of it. You know, that's yeah. Like I've actually sent this email. It's not something I would usually choose to watch. Um, and, yeah, the idea of a marathon, to be honest, I think I probably have similar reactions to every single one, um, and I'll also be honest, um, with these marathons, I'm kind of trying to see films that I know I should get round to watching, and I have, I like, I do like my horror, um, I like some kind of torture-porny kind of stuff, uh, the first Saw film I, I do very much enjoy, but, um, it, it it comes, there comes a level at what I at, at where I just kind of switch off really, and Salo definitely was there, um. And, and, and yeah, I mean, in terms of cinema verite, uh, it I mean it's interesting. I think making things look like a documentary or like you're really there can be very well done, as as it really is in Salo, which um does is filmed more like a documentary. But then you can also get some really boring stuff like Diary of the Dead. I I mean I think it's all really to do with the skill of the filmmakers as to whether I enjoy cinema verite or not. I, if it's a good film, it's good. If it's not, it's not. You know. Um. So Bender's Game. I talked about that on um what I watched earlier on, so I'll skip that. Um, and yeah, knowing um I kind of, I kind of did want to lead 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 you folks down the garden path a little bit by kind of starting off with it being crap but well seeming like it was crap but i i i really really enjoyed knowing um it's it's got very very mixed reviews but um i thought it was incredibly brave um i i really do i'd look forward to seeing it again and uh, the acting was awful but the ideas in that film are uh more striking than in a thousand other blockbusters and just for that really i i appreciate it um yeah so uh, thank you Jason and uh, moving on to the last email of the week because we are over 15 minutes in this section, um, Jim Moon who uh, says, Hi in, I did intend to see Knowing this week but the plan was scuppered when a raft of box sets of The Wire came my way, damn that show is addictive, however I will try to get to see it this week, I always find Proyaz's work rewarding though he does seem to have a Terry Gilliam style curse troubling all his productions. Like the new section, nice to have some reviews and comment on back catalogue movies. Interesting to hear your take on Salo. It's one of the first films. Uh, um, it's one of the films I've heard about, but been kind of unsure if I actually want to subject myself to it. While I avoid seeing various online unpleasantness like Two Girls in a Cup, Salo sounds like uh, worth a watch, though probably only the once. Just out of interest, which films also rank in the very tough to watch category? I think my hands down winner is Nil by Mouth. Brilliant film, but so bleak, brutal, and depressing. I'm probably never going to watch it again. Cheers, Jim. Uh, yeah, that's a good question actually. Um, And I read this email a couple of... uh, Not a couple of days ago, this morning, but I um, haven't got back to you, Jim. Uh, It's just because I'm recording the podcast today. So I thought I'd kind of kill two buzz with one stone, to be honest. I hope that's all right, Jim. Um, uh, Audition. Um, Itchy the Killer. Yeah, I find that pretty hard to watch. Um, Moments of the Original Evil Dead, um, I find quite hard to stomach. Um... uh bo <coughs> excuse me body horror stuff uh um freaks me out as does kind kind of like invasion kind of movies but like quiet invasion things like um the uh the seventies remake of invasion of the body snatchers um really gets to me actually that um dog with the human face is fucked um I mean uh Cronenberg's early work um Shivers and Rabid uh I, oh fuck that w- and one of them's the one with the big brown thing that gets in people and that oh that's horrible um yeah uh, yeah invasion of the uh, of the body whether implied or in detail those kinds of films really do get to me i must say um but yeah there's a few to be uh, cracking on with there um and Yep, again, I invite Jim, I invite Jason, Saturday, commentary, give me an email if you're interested, as anybody. Um, I know I'm ragging that, but uh, I I, want to get quite a few people in this, because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But um, yeah, okay, so thanks to everybody who's fed back. Um, Obviously, you can email at yahoo.co.uk. but I, again, am going to get the voicemail number up. Uh uh two zero six three three nine three one two zero from the States or zero zero one two zero six three three nine three one two zero in the U- uh, UK. Um don't know about the other ones to be honest, but yeah, my bad. Um okay, so uh yeah, that'll do it for feedback this week. Thanks very much, guys. And uh hopefully more next week as there uh will be a show next week. Um I know in Knowles um uh, voicemail said, oh, um, uh, hope you have a good break, enjoy the party. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to have time to do a show, so detail coming up. Yeah, cool. And, I, uh, sorry, I just remembered, um, Noel's voicemail. I didn't, um, respond to the Where the Wild Things Are stuff. Uh, yeah, I do remember the banana splits, um, rather psychotic stuff. It used to be on, like, half six in the morning on Channel 4, I remember. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I see the comparison, um, I I remain unsure about the film I, just, I I know I said that last week I mean like I, I think a lot of people Who are being so hyped uh, With the hyperbole I mean it is just a teaser trailer But um, I mean the look of the film is good But I'm not too sure about it kiddie wise But I said that last week anyway um, Just wanted to uh, uh, add that Okie dokie So then uh, after another slight delay My apologies um, We are on to the next part of the Hitchcock Marathon Uh, Okay, this time we are taking a look at 1945's Spellbound. Uh, This stars Ingrid Bergman, Gregory Peck, Michael Chekhov, Leo G. Carroll and Rhonda Fleming. Uh, Okay, Spellbound is the story of Dr. Constance Peterson, a psychiatrist who um, falls rather head over heels for uh, her new boss, Dr. Anthony Edwards, played by Gregory Peck. But she soon discovers that Edwards is not all he seems, and she has to team up with him, let's just say, uh, to clear somebody's name. Uh, Yeah, I don't want to say too much, just because um, even though this kind of plot twist is um, kind of spilled in the first 20 minutes or so, I uh, don't want to... um, Really give it away because I've got to say it was actually quite a nice surprise for me. Now, I uh, did not know anything about this film going in. I've I've kind of enjoyed this because I knew I knew the outline of Lifeboat, but I didn't know anything about Saboteur or this. Um, so it was quite a surprise, and um, in the end, it was. It was an interesting one. It was very, very, very silly. Uh, I should just say that right now. Now, even though uh, the film doesn't think it is, um, in fairness, this, this film was kind of in the earlier stages of psychoanalysis really becoming something the mainstream knew of. And, uh, so there's a, there's a, there's a a explanation really for what, um, for what a psychiatrist does at the start of the film. Um, and it, it, it's interesting in how it kind of goes about with psychiatry and whatnot, because there's certain things that a, a psychiatrist would never, ever, ever, ever do in this film, which, uh, which our heroine played by Ingrid Bergman does in this film um and and most notably getting involved with a patient in the first place um it, it, it's all a bit basic as well um later in the film there's an absolutely mesmerizing dream sequence designed by um salvador dali which uh there's 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 clues to what's going on um in the film what the main plot is through this dream sequence but at but it it, it's pretty much what the dream kind of says is a very basic clue for what is actually happening um it doesn't take a genius to work it out whereas i mean the the visuals of the dream are wonderfully abstract i mean absolutely incredible you got this guy with like a mask over his face he's got like no features you got these curtains with like eyelids all over them i mean it's 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 an incredible sequence and um but the thing is the what what's being shown is quite surreal but what it actually means is far less surreal than i think dreams actually do mean if that makes any sense um and, and, I mean, the the, the the general plot is quite, is just silly, really. The events which go on in the film uh, are pretty much every single moment unbelievable. And there's, a, a, things get wrapped up a bit too easily, and then there's a spanner thrown in the works, and then this kind of, this, this further plot twist comes along, and it's completely out of nowhere in truth to be honest and um even though it leads to an interesting conclusion where it's all very tense but it's a battle of minds like second guessing what the other person is going to do and it's it's pretty effective actually but it, it it unfortunately it climaxes with this shot of a gun and if you've seen this you'll know what i'm talking about but The way the gun moves around, let's just say, I was just thinking, wow, this person must be like double-jointed or something to be able to do that effectively, but that's all I'll say. Um, But, I mean, I enjoyed pretty much every single minute of it, and uh, that's that's largely thanks to some fantastic chemistry between Ingrid Bergman and Gregory Peck, and the two put in really good uh, performances. ingrid bergman her accent slips noticeably quite a lot but she's still um you know she you could see why um gregory peck's character falls for her in in an instant really because she is really quite stunning and she's got a brain uh, uh, along with it she's not a damsel in distress at all if anyone's the damsel in distress it's gregory peck's character And, um, it's, it's a very interesting role reversal, actually. Um, and, and Peck's character, I mean, he's gotta go through some pretty unbelievable kind of twists in his character arc, but he, he pulls it off well. There's a conviction there, which Gregory Peck always brought, which, um, he very much brings to this role, and it, it, um, I mean, he's a lot of fun, as is, um, a psychiatrist friend of, um... Constance, played by Ingrid Bergman, uh, the psychiatrist um, Alex Brulov, played by uh, Michael Chekhov, he brings a bit more um, light-heartedness to it, while also kind of like really being the audience's eyes and ears. Um, if it wasn't for his character, certain motivations and certain plot developments would have been like re- like even more really, as opposed to the, the the slight incredulity I found myself with through the film. Um, I mean, it's it's an interesting film. Um, it's a it's a tad laughable now, I must say. Um, but Hitchcock keeps up the pace well. There's plot twists aplenty. There's good performances. Um, the Salvador Dali dream sequence is really pretty stunning. And um, it, it it's I I think I would have liked it more if the plot had been a bit... Considering what Hitchcock did with his later films, and, I mean, I'm thinking in particular Vertigo here, or maybe even The Birds, in terms of marrying quite intellectual topics to a kind of a mainstream pot-boiler point plot, um, it's far less successful than those though you can see the seeds of what he's trying to do in this, um, I mean, in all, it's, out of the three films I've done in the marathon so far, I still prefer Saboteur, I really was impressed with Saboteur, but, you know, this is a second, I mean, it's, it's far from Hitchcock's best, but it's still a very, very solid film with some great moments, and I'd certainly recommend it, um, but like lifeboat it's kind of of its time really uh and it, it's one i'm glad hasn't been remade by um hollywood today because god knows what other lengths they go to with the plot um but yeah it's it's a solid um a solid watch i must say though um i'm looking at my twitter at the moment and uh, david munns replied to me saying that um the best hitchcock bergman collaboration was notorious that's actually going to be the next film in the Unseen Hitchcock Marathon when um, Cinerama returns from its break. Um, so, yeah, let's see what happens with Notorious, because uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to that one also. Okay, so that will do it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Um, now, I did allude to the fact that I was planning on taking a week off next week, but to be honest, uh, my work schedule has actually worked out kind of alright for me this week, so... I should be able to put a show out and something else. Uh, Right, so going to do another drunk commentary uh, uh, next weekend, but I would absolutely love it if any of you guys could join me as well. Uh, I already have Mike and Paul from Chinstroker vs. Punter confirmed and also uh, James McNulty, a regular feedbacker, but if any of you are interested in joining us for a commentary on The Exorcist, uh, would absolutely love to have you if you could just email me and tell me you're interested or, uh, or just over Twitter, then um, I can let you know when I get details about what time and whatnot. It's going to be recorded next Saturday, uh, next Saturday evening slash night uh, in the UK, obviously. Um, So, yeah, I mean, even if you don't want to drink, even though, to be fair, it's a drunk commentary, so it'd be good to have you drinking, uh, you you are absolutely more than welcome. Um, I just think it'll be a lot of fun and a nice little treat, really, for the Easter weekend. So, yeah, if you're interested in joining us for the commentary on The Exorcist, and it's the original theatrical cut, not the version you've never seen, um, then uh, let me know okay so coming up on the on the normal show next week though uh reviews will include um the vin diesel career resurrecting uh, fast and furious um for my sins for some reason i'm going to check out dragon ball evolution so we'll see how that is uh swedish vampire uh drama let the right one in uh finally coming out in uk cinemas next weekend and uh probably also uh the rock in the new disney um family film race to Witch mountain so uh should be quite a busy week actually um hopefully i'll get round to watching the uh next in the hitchcock marathon uh notorious and there'll also be moving news listener feedback trailer talk well hopefully listen to feedback and all that usual gubbins uh okay so feedback is more than welcome please email cineramapodcast at yahoo.co.uk um You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Ian Loring, that's all one word. You can read me at the rattle at the rattle.co.uk. And you can phone the voicemail line, um, which I'm just getting the number up for now because I never remember it. Uh, Please bear with me. Okay, uh, from the US you can call 206-339-3120 and in the UK, you can dial 0012063393120 uh, from the UK, uh, on Virgin um, phone anyway, so it must be similar to what BT is. Of uh, course, the, the US, and it is a US number, are nineteen point nine a minute, so it's not going to cost you that much, uh, and I don't know what it is from the US, but hey. Okay, so uh, that will do it for uh, this week's show. Um, also, I joined in kind of uh in a rather inebriated way on um the chin stroke versus punter podcast again last night it was a lot of fun uh, mike and paul were talking about king of new york and uh i wasn't so uh, apologies but um i'm sure that show is going to be up in the next couple of days as well so hey all right so um i'll speak to you guys next week remember if you want to join for the uh, drunk commentary just twitter or email me um would really love to have you on the commentary But, yep, that's it. I'll uh, say goodbye now. So, have a good week, and I'll speak to you soon. Alright, cheers. Bye-bye.